Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? Oh, you know, this time of year is always exciting and it's always fun. Um, it's just, you still kind of have that summer moment that you're trying to savor all the moments and do all the things, but you're you're winding up in education and trying to get going and trying to connect with all the people. Um, this month has been um, a lot of transition. My kids have started at a new site and they're loving it and that is awesome, but it's always hard. Um little ones making new friendships and new connections and trying to build rapport themselves with, with new friends. And, um, one of my girls was treated to a a best friend necklace on the first week of school. And that took the cake. We are now in good standing and we, we found a, another best friend necklace for the little one so she can get in on the train and we're, we're, we're easing into new routines. And, um, on top of that, to have the trifecta week, my husband started a new position this week as well. So, um, we are all just building into new routines and, and feeling that, that new school year energy and vibe and having so much fun, uh, getting our feet wet. So it's, it's been a busy one, actually. Nothing like a little change. Why not change it all? <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just change everything and start the schedule from scratch. And yeah, I actually was just uh, telling you before we got on, I have a PD that starts on Eastern time this week um, due to a, a little glitch. So I even have some family friends kind of coming in to help us transition into this week as well. So you got to love that it takes a village to really make it happen, right? <laughs> it definitely does. What's going on in your world? How have things been going over there? just reminding myself like the start of the year, you just want to jump in and coach. Um, but it takes time to build relationships and to build that rapport. And it's like, I feel like I'm in a holding pattern. Um, Mm -hmm. it's great. You know, I love building the relationships, but I'm like, I miss my coaching conversations. So I'm looking forward to get those up and running and just try to get my schedule figured out because I thrive on routine. So I really love to know like, it's Monday. Where should I be? It's Tuesday. Where am I headed? Um, so I think this week I'm finally at least going to be in the right buildings on the right days of the week, um, which will <laughs> help a whole lot in getting my schedule down and just kind of knowing where I'm going to be and what I'm going to be doing. Yeah. You never want to show up at the wrong building at the right time, right? <laughs> yeah, that would be horrible. <laughs> That has happened to me once, but you are, I'm sure, getting all the chips into line and getting everything situated. And I'm sure everyone is so appreciative of you building in with them to start this year. Thank God for my Google Calendar, because if that thing didn't tell me like every 10 minute warning of you need to be here, I would definitely be lost a lot of the time. (laughs) Google runs our lives sometimes. Yes. Today, we have Amanda Bergerman who is a literacy coach and consultant with over 18 years in education. She grew up on a farm in Southeast Missouri and then worked her way to the suburbs of St. Louis, where she taught at Valley Park and Wenzel for 10 years prior to being a coach. Amanda holds her doctorate in teacher leadership from Maryville University, where she's also currently an adjunct professor for the education department. An area she is passionate about is collective efficacy in relation to working with students teachers, instructional coaches, and pre-service teachers. In her free time, Amanda enjoys spending time with her husband, Jay, 
and hanging out with friends as well as traveling to see family. All right, Amanda, we are so excited to have you here today on C3. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to share the ideas from the students that are mentoring. Well, I know our listeners are so excited to dive in. So let's jump to the point. Can you tell us a little bit and share with us your four core beliefs for success? So I would start with that top one that I mentioned in my intro of my beliefs of empowering others to grow and make an impact on students is really important for um, our future, for the future of the world and, you know, our schools and students learning. Um, That's probably one that's most important to me. Um, I love, you know, capitalizing on teacher leaders and their strengths and what ideas they have to bring to the table. and then I'd also say that learning is a process um, and so is teaching. You really can't have one without the other. Um, that is one thing I think with the mentoring piece that is huge, that we are that model of learning as teachers. Um, and that trickles down then to teachers being models of learners for their students. Um, so I feel like those things are recursive and part of the piece with the students that are mentoring that kind of supports this belief is it's not just meant for mentoring new teachers. It's also how can we work through that with that student-centered perspective. And so I really appreciate the ideas that other teachers have tried out that they've worked with together in their partnerships to then use with their students because that learning piece is so integral. Um, And then I'd say the other belief would be relying on others and our knowledge and our experiences to really help us, I call it brave life storms, to see that beauty in the storms because it is going to come with some challenges whenever we're teaching. Um, I think we all know that as experienced teachers, but we have to help new teachers understand that they can depend on each other and help each other with ideas and, um, like I said, those experiences. Um, And then I'd say setting goals and having that mindset to just keep trying again and again, um, both personally as well as professionally. Um, One of the things that we were just recently working with some of our new teachers and mentors, and we really tried to hit home in our district that goal setting is, is huge for us. And we want you to do that with your kids too. So don't think you have to get it right the first time and or do it all right off the bat. So that's something else that I think is truly integral in the process. Yeah, I loved how you started out the book sharing um, what your core beliefs are, because it really helped me understand who you were and the perspective of where you were coming from. And I think that's so important for educators to remember, like before you're setting goals, what do you stand for? What's part of your core beliefs? And then how do you move through these storms and through these processes? And if you don't lose sight of who you are, then you're always for the better after you make it through that. If you can share with our listeners a little bit about what student-centered mentoring is and how it's different than traditional mentoring. So I define student-centered mentoring as a collaborative approach for mentors and mentees that focuses heavily on the impact of students learning using what I call layers of support and progression from like a foundational to the in the moment learning. So what that could look like started off with both new teacher and mentor learning 
um, about how to develop that partnership and then going into that collective mindset, which hits on what you said of how important our beliefs are um, and how that molds our uh, way of teaching. Um, but then going into that layer of observational learning, because I feel like that's hugely important. I mean, who doesn't want to watch someone else um, try something out and then take that back to their own classroom? Um, and then that last layer of the in-depth support where you're trying things alongside someone else, um, like in coaching cycles where you have the opportunity to do some co-teaching with colleagues. Um, I think those layers are just so supportive of that approach. Um, and with that, I think it differs from what traditional mentoring is in the sense that it not only concentrates that support and that learning um, on what the focus of students should be, rather than a traditional approach of more about the content area expertise um, and more focused on what is the teacher doing. Um, instead, it's kind of a backward design approach, I guess you could say where you're looking at what are students doing? What are students saying? What's the student work telling us? And then using that information to help mold what are strategies we should be trying um, with kids and how do we really understand what they're, uh, they're learning and if they're achieving those outcomes that we're setting forth for them. Um, it, I think it also differs from what some think of as traditional mentoring is, you know, I need to go in and observe my mentee. Um, so that's kind of a more evaluative approach. And I promote more of that approach of when you're doing observations, thinking about students and their outcomes and helping them understand maybe when they should have made an adjustment on the spot with their lesson um, based on what we see students doing. Um, so thinking a lot more about that collaborative nature, about our impact. And whereas a lot of traditional mentoring approaches are more teacher-centered. Um, not to say that there aren't moments that you do need to have that content time um, talked about or um, I'd say talking about, you know, sometimes mentees' actions. You know, there are going to be moments for that. But as a mentor, being that kind of person that they can open up to and be vulnerable around, I think is a big, important piece. And by focusing on students as much as you possibly can, I think that helps kind of change um, that approach that we want to take. And the hope is that it helps keep people in the profession longer because I mean, we're definitely in, a, I would say, a crisis of education. And so I, I'd like to think that this is a kind of a timely piece because of that shift in thinking that we'd want to have. It's so powerful to hear all the different layers of interdependence that you're talking about through your model between the student and the teacher, the teacher and the mentor, and really lowering those sometimes layers of trepidation as being the mentee and putting the focus back on the students, everything within that student-centered model of going back to what are the students are doing? How are we trying to move forward with them? What are our best tactics moving forward? So it's, it's powerful to hear that level of back and forth between all layers and making sure that we're supporting them the best that we possibly can, especially in this trepidatious time of trying to retain teachers and hold on to them as you're alluding to. Oh yeah, that partnership is so key. And I mean, we can't do our job anymore without each other. So I, I just, yeah, that's so important. I love that, that thought process. Thanks. Well, and it's beautiful of really putting ourselves, whether you're the mentor or the mentee in that student's perspective and seeing ourselves always as the constant learner. And that's 
where that ebb and flow and that give and take between all parties is going to have the highest impact possible. So um, we so appreciate that mindset. And your book is chock full with tips, like every single piece. And so we know we could sit here for hours sharing all the 10 of great mentor tips that you allude to, but can you share maybe your top five or a few that you want to highlight and spotlight for our listeners, please? Oh gosh, that's really hard. (laughs) Because that was one of my favorite parts of my setting up my book is not only having it strategy-based where they could just go to a strategy, but just having lots of tips. Because for me, that's one of the best things I love. Um, So I guess I'd start off with one of the first ones would be about the directional supports and using um, those directional supports. I kind of have them in relation to a compass because thinking about, you know, we have all these different possibilities of directions we can go with support options for teachers, but thinking about that as a resource um, to narrow down maybe further on what those needs need to be for the new teachers, rather than thinking, oh, they just need some help with knowing where to go to find the copier, or I think they need to talk through how to have a parent-teacher conference. Instead, being more proactive and utilizing that maybe even with their mentee um, to kind of talk through what some support types they might need. Um, And also even being proactive with thinking about some of their scenarios and experiences in relation to that. So that's probably one of my most favorite tips is to utilize those directional supports. Um, uh, Let's see, one of the others. Um, I think the listening piece. Being a model of listening would have to be another one. I, that's, that's another layer uh, of all of this is that we really have to promote being listeners to each other so that we can help support. But then I think also listening to kids um, and really like thinking about what is the student telling us? Um, it, it can help drill down to so much more about their learning needs or even supporting their social and emotional needs too, that I think are important. Um, so that's probably another favorite. Um, let's see. So another piece of it is probably the lens of a mentee, lens of a mentor that I have a story for from different colleagues that I've worked with at each chapter. So I share a tip after each one of those. Um, so those are probably some other favorites. I, and I think probably the one that's my most is Natalie's. Um, she actually gave the tip of, uh, what was it exactly? Um, question until you know, not fake it until you make it. And I feel like that was huge. She and her mentor, Rodney, um, and I started trying out a lot of this work um, several years ago, probably about four or five years ago. And she was so open to the, some of these different strategies. And the one that stuck with her most was questioning. Um, so I just love her tip there. And because she, you know, she was like, this is huge. Like, I feel like I needed to be perfect, but I need to be willing to just ask questions because I don't always know. And it's okay that I don't. And it was really cool that her mentor like seconded that and modeled that for her too. Um, So that's probably one of my most favorite tips from that. Oh gosh, let's see. Um, Probably the other tip that I think would be 
after the mentor coaching cycle and that chapter six would be Tina. Um, And this would be for a mentor piece. She decided to partner up in a mentor coaching cycle with her new teacher and both of them worked together with me and her willingness to like be a part of that um, was just so huge. And her actual takeaway was, I I feel like this held me accountable for trying things with my students. And it also opened up more ideas to me than uh, of learning. And so like, she just felt like that was so huge. And so I think her tip there uh, that takeaway of doing a mentor cycle and being vulnerable to showcase that learning piece. Um, it's probably another one of my tips that I'd really like. So I probably better stop there. Otherwise you'd keep me going all day. <laughs> it's amazing to hear you going back to that coaching with the mentor and all parties being involved in the coaching and leading with the questioning and with the listening and going back to our true core in our coaching toolbox. So thank you for bringing that back to the front for us. Can you share a little bit with us about the strength-based feedback and how to best implement it? Uh, that's the top strategy that all mentors like want to know about is giving feedback. Um, so that's what led me down to kind of that strength-based piece, which that's also part of Diane Sweeney's, you know, students in our coaching work too, and one of her moves. Um, so that's where I started out with it um, in the beginning. Um, It's a process that really builds upon strengths to help guide our next steps um, and problem solve, but doing so where we're building upon what we know and kind of highlighting on our strengths to help us, you know, make some of those adjustments to practices. Um, Her three-step process uh, talks about clarifying and um, then valuing and then uncovering those possibilities. Um, and I also thought about it in another way too, as I was working with mentors and new teachers a lot, um, like Rodney and Natalie, for example, um, and trying different things out. And one thing Rodney shared with me one time was, I don't feel like I always have to clarify that as a mentor because we're talking daily um, and sometimes several times in a day. So he's like, I feel like I can kind of go to that strengths step of more celebrating or um, uncovering, you know, that those highlights of what's going well. And then we go into that, you know, recognizing possibilities or brainstorming. And he's like, I feel like that's kind of where some of that clarification can come in along that brainstorming phase. So it doesn't mean you're not clarifying at the forefront. It just might be more in that second step. Um, So those are kind of a couple of options that I talk about um, with using that feedback process. Um, So I would say, like, thinking about how you implement that, it's going to depend on that relationship piece, though, that you have with your new teacher of when do you need to clarify or not. Um, But I would definitely say practice. And one of the things in the book is I give a lot of language stems. So think about what language stems, you know, match kind of your language, um, the way you would talk um, and or reword some of those um, in your own words so that that way it becomes just like a habit. Um, I actually joke with some people in like my office. I have little sticky notes on my like board that I see all the time and like certain stems or questions that I like to use. I 
that I want to make more of a habit, I'll have them posted up there so I can start using it more frequently because I visualize it. So um, those are some of those tips I guess I would give on that one. And I appreciate in the book, you know, you share all these mentor mentee experiences to make it so tangible so that you can see how to what it might look like and sound like in a classroom when you're working with a teacher. Well, and then you can model doing that with kids too, then. So using either one of those options, um, doing that with kids too, I think is huge. So, yeah. Absolutely. And I love you letting us behind the veil of you have the sticky notes posted just like the rest of us. You have your little, you know, sentence stems that you hold on to and you try to work into your repertoire that they become second nature. And um, I also love hearing and what you're saying that everything is coming from that positive presupposition and that new teacher and that we're honoring where they are, what they need and what they actually want clarified and read instead of making an assumption of what we think they might want clarified, which is just so powerful. And I think it's, it's meaningful when I talk to new teachers as to something that they feel very valued in. Um, and along those lines, can you tell us what are some of your tips on how you can build that new teacher efficacy and then also help retain it over time? Oh, that's a good one. This ties back to the beliefs that we talked about earlier. Um, <laughs> I just, uh, and it's a big piece of the book and a couple of the chapters, just doing a lot of conversation around what are our beliefs, but I even have more specifically um, some belief statements that um, you can use to guide those conversations and even write yourself kind of where you think you fall on it. Um like one of them is specifically is talking about being able to uh, affect all of my students despite their home life. You know, can I help them all learn? Um, and are we always going to be able to do that? Most of us probably are not. But yet, are we having that conversation with each other that even, even though our kids may come to us with certain home life factors or whatever the case may be or certain trauma, are are we still helping them learn? Do we still hold those same expectations for them versus all of our other students? Um, and so just kind of having those discussions around that. Um, so I think those are huge on that teacher efficacy piece. But I would also add on to it the collective efficacy work. And um, I I have a visual in some of my um, trainings that I do that actually compares the two on like a little T-chart um, and that they both work in tandem together. And I, I love the collective teacher efficacy work because it's, um, I think it's more powerful and actually like John Hattie's effect sizes writes that as one of the top effect sizes um, that we can have on student achievement. And it is so true because collectively, we can make more of an impact on our students. Um, so the mentor partnership is a perfect example of collective efficacy. And um, I just feel like being able to think about those different categories within that collective efficacy, um, if you're familiar with some of that work, um, thinking about like the mastery experiences and really showcasing, you know, how things can work together um, I think is huge, uh, the vicarious experiences. Um, and I think the other one is like that social persuasion. Through this partnership together, we're able to help each other see when things can work and talk about our students together um, to be able to, you know, help grow their achievement levels, but also just have fun learning. Um, and that's the other piece that I just, 
I really promote a lot of. Um, and I guess I would add on one last thing with that too, is that with all of these things in place, it, it just helps build our belief that we can make that impact. And I think that just talking about what is our impact on our kids um, is such an important part of our conversation because it's such an important part of our work um, together. And an important part of our job as teachers is what is our impact on students? So, um, yeah, there you go. <laughs> you can get me nerding out on that collective efficacy. I did that as research on my for my doctorate. So. <laughs> Oh, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I have many principals who are ringing in the back of my brain who have, have pushed so much John Hattie at me. Um, and it's just so much fun to learn and dive deeper in. So I'm glad you're sharing that. We know there's not a silver bullet answer to this and everyone's trying to figure this out this year, but what's some advice you have on how to um, get new to district and new to the profession teachers to stay in the profession? Uh, you're so right. That's a loaded question, isn't it? <laughs> Um, well, I mean, I would say your first step is trying out some of these strategies that I showcase in the book, um, thinking about those directional supports and how you can really narrow down specifically the help and support that we can provide, um, and trying to make sure we're getting through those light years of support and providing all different options, um, for our teachers. I, I was just reading a survey the other day that came out um, and it supports some of the research I've done before that one of the top reasons that people aren't staying in the profession is the support piece. They didn't feel supported. Um, of course, there's other reasons too that you know are out of our control, but what is in our control? That support piece. Um, so just being there, checking in on each other more often, um, not assuming. Um, and asking those questions, like those are all big pieces to it. So, yeah, that would be probably my best advice I could give right now. <laughs> I'm sure everyone's taking notes, this valuable advice, because sometimes as much as we know what we need to do, it's just hearing it from a different perspective to kind of get us moving in that direction. For sure. Absolutely. And making sure that the beauty is supporting them from that very first moment. So there's never a moment of, I have no one there with me and no one supporting me and just being able to have that gradually go all the way through is, is so powerful. And we, we know we've stolen so much of your time, but we want to get at least one more little snippet from you of what advice or what quick snippet can you give to mentors as they enter into the school year? I think it goes back to that question, like not just Natalie's tip of, from the new teacher point of view, but us as mentors ask questions. Um, and try to be specific with some of those questions of support and get get that conversation going um, about our beliefs and uncovering what we want to try to accomplish in a year. Um, and then just continually checking in and asking those questions about that. So that'd probably be the best thing we could do. And probably one of the easiest things that we don't realize, we just have to take the time for it, which time, time is very, very uh, expensive in a way in our profession, because we always are so busy and always have a lot of things to do and to accomplish, but just take that time to ask those questions. Yeah, all of your tips are totally attainable. It's just being conscious and aware. 
um, to take those yeah. actions and steps, but we all have the capacity to ask good questions and dig a little deeper or go back to what our core beliefs are. So we appreciate you bringing that up. These are not things that cost money, maybe a little extra time on your effort, but it's just keeping that headspace of where you need to be while you're mentoring or participating in that mentorship. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because we definitely spend a lot of money already in the classroom. So <laughs> whatever we can do that, um, I know we all like free stuff. So that would be my <laughs> free tip. <laughs> we love the free tips. We'll take them with us. And and it all comes back to really honoring that individual in front of you and, and atoning to their human uniqueness and, and making sure that that we're living it with them and, and, and enjoying that. And we appreciate all of your sentiments today. And we're going to shift gears just slightly um, to the rapid fire questions. So we try to be roughly 30 seconds or less. Do, do your best brevity. Everybody's got a different level. Mine, not so good. Um, so if you will start with us and tell us um, where can we learn more from and with you, where can we follow you and what else do you have coming down the pike? Mm. So I've been working a lot on my website. So very simple and easy. As long as you can spell my last name, amandabrugerman.com. <laughs> and um, that leads to my Twitter. Um, it leads to YouTube connection. So I've been working on some videos that I've got already uploaded, which more coming down the pike too. Um, I actually have one um, with Natalie that I'm working on. She's kind of been my focus for several different things because it's come full circle with her being a mentor now too um, and trying things out. So um, I'm also working on a free webinar. So I'm hoping to get that out. Notice that free there. I'm trying to do as many things there as I can because um, I want I want this to be impactful to teachers and students um, and maybe even a free mini course that's kind of on the list down the road. So well, we appreciate you providing those resources for us and for all of the coaches out there, mentors and mentees alike. Um, can you tell us what is your tagline or bumper sticker for um, mentoring or coaching or education in general? I'm going to go back to my first belief. Empower others to make an impact. Because, yeah, I, I those words, number one, empower. Uh, I, I have that desire to want to help and support, which I think is a lot of educators. Um, but it's really important to, to me to help showcase all the great things that teachers are doing. So I want to empower others to make that impact on their students and right. each other. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you clearly live and breathe your motto and we're just gonna have to put it on a t-shirt for you. This is what we need to do as our sign away gift always. Um, <laughs> One more for us, Amanda. Tell us what is your secret coaching superpower or your go-to move when you're um, doing your mentoring? What what can you share with us? One more. I'm going to go back to the questions. Ask questions. Like it. It sounds like something so small, but um, when I started out coaching about nine years ago, and then even before that with teaching, working with my colleagues, I felt like a I was told, oh, you asked really good questions, but I still have been continually refining that um, because like, I mean, it goes back to my tagline. I want to empower others. And so one of the ways I do that is by asking questions and I just have to be really um, strategic and also empathetic too on the questions that I ask. So I'm always thinking about how I can, can do that. So to support my tagline, I guess. <laughs> 
It's wonderful. I wish I could just have a picture of your computer space so I could steal some of those for all of us moving forward. But I'm sure in your workshop and everywhere else, we will be getting all those little nuggets from you. And um, we just so appreciate having you here today and sharing so much um, insight with us and with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. This is fun. I love this. Amanda offers such great insight in supporting our new teachers. Now more than ever, it's so important that we welcome and be supportive to the new teachers in the profession or new to district teachers. How might you support your new teachers? Thanks for listening and be sure to tweet us at C3Coaches on Twitter. C3, connecting coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today? Oh,